Hey everybody, thanks for joining another show. My guest today is a boudoir photographer. Boudoir refers to the style in which women pose for photographs, partially clothed or in lingerie. And a common theme that has been arising in my podcast is passion. And here she talks about a process for helping women feel confident and excited through their experience with her. So let's have a warm welcome for Liz Hansen. You're listening to the Chicago Hustle, a podcast that highlights the struggles, successes, and overall journey of Chicagoans pursuing their passion. My name's Edward Terrace, and I'm a Chicago real estate broker that focuses on understanding the rental and sales market to facilitate the sale of property, along with providing my clients a roadmap to one of the biggest necessities of life, a place to call home. And I'm sitting down with our neighbors to learn about their process, the lessons they've learned, and how they're making an impact. All right, and we are live. Thanks so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. I just realized that every time I click the record button and I almost say the same exact thing, I always grab my chair here and I always adjust myself in that same situation. I don't know, I've never seen it before. <laughs> so um, thanks again for being on the show. You first found out about the show through actually one of the other people I've had on here, which was the runner of Bossy Chicago. That's right. How, how long have you been a part of, of Bossy? You know, I was one of the early adopters of Bossy. I saw a Bossy sticker at my hairstylist um, at her salon. Oh. And I, was, I was like, oh, that looks cool. And I Googled it and I was like, I definitely want to be a part of this. And I love Sam and I love connecting with other female business owners in the Chicago area. So it's been a really fun networking group. Okay, so I'll definitely have to get the name for that other woman who runs a salon. It's sure. uh, is it EJA Salon? Um, no, it's no, actually it's called Fawn Studio in Evanston. Oh, okay. Um, so it's just outside of Chicago, and that's where I go to get my hair done. And it's woman owned, and I love her, and I love the studio. Cool. And she happened to have that bossy sticker in her window, and I noticed it. Oh man, that's that's pretty cool. And uh, for what people don't know is, so Liz and I were supposed to record last week on the show, and RCN had a shutdown at that moment when we were supposed to be recording here. And I was on the phone with RCN, going back and forth, trying to stay as calm as possible because it's not that person's fault that we're talking to. And uh, like an hour later, my girlfriend was like, "Are you gonna call Liz?" And I said, "I can't. I'm all shooketh." Right now, I just, there's no way I could record. <laughs> you know, technological problems are not easy. No, so I, I appreciate you, um, you know, making the adjustment there. Um, but I think it's cool how you, so I know Bossy Chicago, they send out a, a what is it, a monthly email or something like that? Yeah, so Bossy is a, it's called a women-owned business collective. And what that means is that there's members in it who participate in different ways. So you can be listed in the women-owned business directory. You can go to in-person meetups. Um, there's, um, like you said, the newsletter that goes out. There's like various ways to participate. But the whole idea of the organization is to bring together women-owned businesses in Chicago and um, to give consumers a way to find out which businesses are women-owned if they want to patronize women-owned businesses and also bring female entrepreneurs and business owners in the area together. Now that's cool. So when you saw the email come out about 
the podcast, was that something that you were like, oh man, I definitely would love to be on a podcast. Have you been a po- on a podcast before? Or? You know, I actually haven't. So I opened my, so I own a boudoir photography studio called Chicago Boudoir Photography. And um, if you don't know what boudoir is, a lot of people don't, but um, it comes from a French word. Boudoir means a woman's bedroom. Um, but it's a word that a lot of photographers use now to um, to mean a kind of like intimate, sensual kind of photography. And if you want to be fancy in French, you can say boudoir. But most Americans that I hear say the word say boudoir. And um, different boudoir photographers take sort of a different approach than others. But what I like to do is a really romantic, beautiful, confidence-building, empowering photo shoot. And women can go home with photos just for themselves or to give a gift to a partner. And so I opened this photo studio about a year ago. And uh, so when I saw that you were interviewing um, Chicago business owners, I thought it would be a fun opportunity to talk about my new venture. That's cool. So is it, I mean, are you always seeking out opportunities to expose your business? Are you always doing stuff like this? Or how do you, you know, get the word out about it? Yeah, so I mean, I have a marketing plan for my studio, um, which isn't, um, you know, I have a, ready, a steady stream of, stream of clients that come to me through Facebook and Google and my email marketing, that kind of thing. But I just thought it would be fun to also participate in a podcast. Um, you know, I enjoy talking to other people about what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. And I thought maybe some of your listeners maybe hadn't heard of Boudoir or had a different idea of it than what it what it is for me. So I just always love to talk about what I do and, and share the interesting thing for me about my, my business, like a lot of um, businesses that are small. Well, let me put it this way. Some businesses you can market to anyone in the whole world. Like, let's say I want to sell sweaters. I could sell that sweater online to someone in China or to India or in Canada. It doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. But for my business, I have to have people local right? You have to come into my studio to have your picture taken. So like a hairstylist, you know, she can't sell her services to someone in China, right? Totally. So I'm the same way is that um, it's most important for me to talk to a local audience. I mean, if someone in China hears about my business or in Canada or India, like maybe they'd be interested, but it's not going to be a client for me. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. um, For for my business too, is it's, uh, I literally, um, I have to be in person. I have to be, it's, it's, you know, it's very people business oriented when you have to have clients in that specific area. Right. So like, I love talking to Chicago area women. That's the other thing too. I mean, I'm happy to talk to men, but my clients are, are women, right? And I, um, I'm a woman and all of the people I employ at my studio are also women, women. So it's a very female oriented space. And um, I'm always trying to talk to that specific audience. Okay. Was that ever something that you contemplated was working with men or was it just, um, you know, working with women was always going to be and started out as something you were passionate about? Yeah. So the way it worked is I started out actually as a family and baby photographer. Um, Oh, yeah, so I started out by taking pictures of families and, and kids. Like, I'd meet you out in a beautiful field, or I'd meet you at the beach, and we'd take pictures. In fact, there's a picture that I took um, at a beach that went viral of a baby falling. I don't, you may have seen it. You can pull it up on my website. It was a mom and a dad and two kids, and they were walking on the beach, and they were kind of doing like a swing with the toddler. 
and the baby fell out of the mom's arm and is like midair. And I happened to catch that picture with the baby midair. And it became known as like the baby drop photo. It was on Good Morning America. It was on the front page of Yahoo. It was on the front, front page of Reddit. Um, and I loved taking pictures of families. And by the way, that baby was fine. That's awesome. Um, I love the disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Every time this comes up, like I get emails like, that mother should have the baby taken away. Like, was that? And I'm like, no, the baby was fine. The baby actually did kind of like a 360, landed on his back in the sand and was fine. Um, and as it so happened, there happened to be a pediatrician right there at the uh, beach who came over and checked out the baby. Baby's totally fine. Baby's like five years old now, no problems. But um, for a long time, I was getting emails about that picture just because it, it went so viral that so many people saw it. Um, ended up in a museum in Denver. Like, Anyway, it kind of took on a life of its own, that one baby drop picture. Uh, so I took family photos for, like that for a long time. No, not all babies were dropped. Um, <laughs> okay. Only, only that baby was dropped. Um, and I really enjoyed family photography. Um, but then we moved to Chicago. And it turns out that it's cold in Chicago. And it turns out you can't take outdoor pictures for a lot of months of the year here. So um, basically, no one wants to take family pictures in January in Chicago, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what I did was I got a job at a local photo studio to make money during the winter season. And um, they did some boudoir photography there. And the first couple of times I did it, I just like fell in love with the process, the experience and how it made women feel. Um, the most common thing I would hear from women is like, wow, I can't believe that's me. I feel so beautiful. I feel so confident. And I loved being a part of an experience that really helped women feel good about themselves, helped them feel confident. And I just, I, I wanted to do it full time. So actually I worked at that photo studio for two or three years and then they, they closed. And when they closed, I decided to open up my own photo studio. And when I opened up my own place, I decided to just focus only on boudoir. So I dropped my family and baby business and I now just focus on boudoir and I absolutely love it. I love how the turning point in um, your life, it was like, so they closed and that was just the opening of, okay, this is the, it's the time to go. Yeah. And actually I don't think it was a foregone conclusion. I when I, when they closed, I said to my husband, well, like maybe I'll just go get a job at Pottery Barn or something. Now I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a job. And my husband was like, you've been working as a photographer for years. Why are you going to give up your dream? And I was like, well, I just don't know that I can find another job. He's like, why don't you open your own place? And it was really my husband's support that kind of gave me the confidence to go out on my own and open my own place. Because for me, opening my own business and my own photo studio was a really big leap, not just financially, but also like emotionally. And I don't know that everyone feels this way, but I have a pretty low risk tolerance for starting new things. So for me, it was a big deal, you know, to, to start a new thing. But I'm so glad that I took the risk and did it because it's been an amazing ride. That's amazing. Uh, so when he was start, you know, first started talking to you about taking the leap, I mean, I know you said there was you know, financial risk and emotional risk. What, what, I mean, kind of tell me a little bit more about that. When you first started looking for your own studio, were you renting a space? Did you have to, uh, you know, rent a commercial space? Like what all tied into that? Yeah. So absolutely. I knew that if I, and I knew that if I was going to do boudoir, I would need a commercial space. This isn't something I wanted to do out of my basement. You know, boudoir is a luxury experience and it's all about feeling beautiful and, and empowered. It's also 
a very personal thing and you want to make people feel as comfortable as possible. And inviting people over to your basement just doesn't do any of those things. And mm -hmm. also I don't live in a house that was going to work at all. Right. I got little kids, you know, so I knew that if I was going to do this, it was going to be renting a commercial space. It was going to be renovating a commercial space. It was going to be taking out a lease. It was going to, you know, it's going to be the real deal. Right. Yeah. And so I went around shopping for a space and, um, I found the little space that I'm in and it actually did not look great. Um, it had been empty for two years. The floors were all warped and moldy. The walls were yellow. It wasn't configured in the way I needed it to be. And I could tell, I knew why it had been empty for two years because it was awful looking, but I saw the potential. I signed a lease and I signed just a 12 month lease. And I remember saying to my husband, like, if this doesn't work out in a year, we'll just get out of it. It's just a year. Right. And, um, took me about four months to renovate the space. Um, got the floors all um, sanded down. There was actually beautiful hardwood underneath painted, put up another separating wall to create a changing area, installed chandeliers, all these things to make it really beautiful. It's a, it's a gorgeous space. Now I love shooting there. Um, there were a few hiccups along the way. At one point the space flooded and everything got all wet and we had to rip it all out. Fortunately, my landlord was really cool with that. Um, and then like three months in, the store got vandalized and someone stole my um, like stole stuff from the outside of the store, like my studio oh. sign and stuff, you know, so there were like definitely some hiccups along the way, but um, it's been just like really, really great as well. Wow. And, and for anybody that's, you know, thinking about opening up their own commercial place and I'm not saying, you know, what you would get for months wise or expenses or anything like that, or I'm not a real estate attorney or nothing like that. But when you get a new space, I mean, people think that uh, they might not know when you get a new space, you might be able to get, you know, uh, rental adjustments. You might be able to get five months, eight months, a year's off of rent because it's the commercial spaces are so specific to what your business is. So it's like, Hey, I need five months worth of rent to make the adjustments so this will work for my business. So like anytime somebody's opening up a new space, like don't forget that because that'll absolutely help. Did you do any of that with your space? Yeah, absolutely. I negotiated when I rented. Um, there were a couple things that made the space absolutely unusable. And I said to the landlord, I said, I will rent this space, but you need to um, make sure the electricity turns on. You need to like remediate the mold, like some of these things that were just like, it was just like not even usable. And the landlord's like, yeah, of course, I will do that for you. I mean, I'm surprised they hadn't done that in advance. So that, because I'm sure people who came to see this space were just totally turned off by how it looked because it, it looked really awful. It's like when you sell a house, you fix it up before you put it on the market, right? I don't know why they didn't do that. But yeah, everything I, <laughs> everything I asked for, they did for me um, okay. to make it usable. I mean, I put it, there's some stuff obviously they did not pay for. Like I paid to paint the walls because the wall paint was, fine. It was just ugly. So they didn't pay for that. You know, that kind of thing. Um, I paid to put new chandeliers in cause I wanted that luxury look. They didn't pay for that, but they let me do it, you know? Um, so yeah, getting in and renovating the space was sort of uh, getting up and running was, was, a, was a process, right? Um, it wasn't like I just rented the space and the next day I was ready to go. Yeah. There's a lot of work to do. Now I, I love how you said how nothing's permanent. Cause anytime somebody's whether they're starting a new business or they're taking that leap. It's like, okay, if you're making a leap or, you know, maybe spending more money for marketing for your business, it's like, okay, it's, it, it, nothing is permanent. I mean, you could spend, 
this can be turned on for a month. I mean, it's a little different with a 12 month lease, but if you're doing extra marketing or whatever it is, it's like, Hey, this isn't going to be permanent. So if you're in an uncomfortable situation, that's not your forever. So that's cool that you're able to notice that. Well, like with the 12 month lease, I knew it was going to take at least 12 months to see if I could do this. I knew that in the first six weeks I wasn't going to be profitable. I mean, I knew that I needed at least 12 months to try and see if I could get this thing going, right? Like nothing happens overnight. So I was happy to sign a 12 month lease to give it a, give it a go. You know what I mean? And I knew any less than that wasn't enough time to really see if I could make it work. I love that. I mean, I think that anything that you're doing is it's, it's all long-term. And since you were looking at the long-term from the get-go, I mean, it's, there's, it makes sense to why you are where you are. Cause it's just like giving things the time it deserves to manifest. Yeah. And I mean, anytime you start a new business, there's like, there's not just figuring out, there's not just acquiring clients, but there's also figuring out your process and figuring out, you know, you try, try out a certain product, see if it sells, try something else, see if that works. You know, I think there's a lot of trial and error getting started and you have to give yourself the space and hopefully you have enough cushion financially to give yourself a little bit of space to try out a couple of different things because you really don't know. I mean, I've never owned my own business before. Not, not, it wasn't just my first studio. It's also my first business venture, right? So I had to give myself a little bit of space to say like, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm going to try some things and see what happens. What was the most difficult part? Was it just taking the leap, opening up the space, getting new clientele? Like what was the biggest adjustment when you were starting? I would say right when I first started, I had to really overcome this feeling, which was this. I had this idea that if I told everyone I knew that I was opening this and I, when I was telling everyone I knew about it, you know, that if I failed, I was going to be worthless. And I knew that wasn't really true because of course my family loves me, my friends support me, but I felt this like incredible weight that if I failed, then I was, it wasn't just the business was a failure, but that I was a failure, you know? So I had to really kind of put that aside and be like, you know what, whether or not this works out, I'm going to be proud of myself for trying. Um, And I think once I kind of had that mindset shift that like, even if this fails, I was still a success for trying. Then I was able to kind of release myself and be like, you know what, I'm just going to give this all I've got and give it a go. And like, I'm really happy to report that like, I'm a year in and I'm doing better than I could have expected in my wildest dreams. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think anytime you're, you know, going to take that leaf, putting yourself in a situation where, I mean, tell, cause it, telling other people what you're going to do and then not having it pan out that your ego is on the line. Like egos are, uh, everyone has one and it's just, um, but if you put yourself in the situation, you put it out there, it almost gives you kind of that accountability to, well, you know, I gotta have this pan out. <laughs> Well, and you can't really start a business without telling people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's some things in life that you can try out and not really tell anyone that you're trying it out. But a business isn't like that because you have to tell everyone about it so that you have business, right? Yeah. By its nature, and especially in this day and age of social media and everything, you really have to put yourself out there. And I think for some people, that's harder than for other people. Do you think that, um, I mean, because you're coming on this podcast, um, you know, on your own will, if, if someone wasn't, you know, super outgoing, um, or willing to put themselves out there, do you think that it would be important for them to have a specific person that was their person to put themselves out there? 
It's a good question. I think it really depends on your business model. So for example, as a photographer, I am very client facing, right? Like I work with people every day and I'm, I mean, I'm six inches from them, right? So like yeah. it's a very client heavy client facing business that I'm in, but you could open another kind of business where you sold candles online and you would never have to talk to anybody. You know, you just sure. set it up online and you would ship those out. And if you wanted to come on a podcast and talk about your candles, you could, but you maybe wouldn't have to, right? And you wouldn't yep. have to show your face. You just take pictures of candles, right? Me as a photographer, people aren't just hiring me because of my pictures. They're also hiring me as a person. So I feel like it's important to put my face and my voice out there for people to get to know, especially for something like boudoir, which is a very personal, intimate experience. People want to know that they're going to be comfortable with me as a photographer not they're not just buying whatever artwork i can produce right because they're going to have that experience in the studio with me so i think it's important if you're going to start a business to know what you're interested in doing like i love interacting with women i love being there with them i love taking their pictures that's like a huge part of what i love about my business but if you know that you're going to wake up every morning and have to be like oh my gosh i have to talk to people today <laughs> like maybe don't start a business. You, you might not be as successful in a business that was so client facing heavy. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, anybody that's going to start a business they're, I mean, maybe tailor it and do what's going to make you happy. And if that's not going to be it, definitely don't jump into that boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, starting your own business is a choice. If you really don't get a lot of joy from running your own business, go get a job where you work for someone else. It's always an option. That's always an option too. Right. Um, and hiring people to do the parts of your business that you really don't like or that you're not good at is also a really important skill to learn too. Is there any things that you're uncomfortable or that you don't like in your business that you've kind of delegated to other people? Yeah. I mean, when I started the business, I was definitely doing it all myself, right? Because when you're first starting, you're doing it all yourself. Um, I've recently um, outsourced some of my web design. I've mm -hmm. recently outsourced, um, some of my photo editing that's just the routine things it's not as artistic the routine things that just need to get done um in the future as i grow i'll definitely look to outsource more things the thing i don't want to outsource actually is taking the pictures yeah of course i love that part there's some photographers who hope to grow a studio big enough to hire a bunch of associate photographers i don't know that i'll get that big or that i want to get like i actually that's the part i love is taking the pictures um, maybe I'd hire an assistant sometime, but um, I'd rather first outsource all the technical part, all the web stuff before I would outsource any of the artistic part. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And when you were talking about, because you're not just like when you first came to me and told me about being on the show and I started to like think about the questions I was going to ask you and think about your business overall, it was, I was like, okay, this isn't just, this isn't just photography any business that you're in there's gonna there's so much it's so much deeper than that and I grew up with um, like three women in my life I didn't really grow up with any men and so I understand how whether self-conscious people can be uh, whether it's male or female um, what does your process look like when you're first meeting them I'm sure there's maybe some type of consultation because people if they're self-conscious they need to be prepared for that and you're not just taking their photo, you're helping them get ready for that photo. Like, how does that process go? Yeah, absolutely. So I talk to every woman on the phone before they come to my studio, and I do that on purpose. 
um, I, before I talk to them about anything else, I ask them a lot of questions about what they're hoping to get out of this kind of a photo shoot. And sometimes through that first discovery process, I find out that I'm not the photographer for them. For example, they're asking for a kind of a photo shoot that I don't offer. Um, or they, they tell me things that lead me to believe that I should actually refer them to another photographer. And I will absolutely do that. My job is not to, you know, try to book every single person that calls. I'm trying to meet their needs and get them great photos if, if we're a good fit. And um, so I always ask them a lot of questions about what they're looking for, what they're hoping to gain from this experience. And then if I feel like I'm a good photographer for them, then I'll explain to them what I offer in my studio and then we can book if they're interested. And every single woman who calls me is nervous. Like no one calls and says to me, you know, I'm a part-time lingerie model, just looking to do a little bit more. No, the women that I serve, the women that I shoot are regular everyday women hoping to have a fun, empowering experience and maybe give a great gift. So I always tell them a lot of things to help like assuage their fears. So first off is that all you have to do is show up at my studio with clean dry hair and I'm going to take it from there. I've got a makeup artist on staff who's going to use airbrush technology makeup on their face, give them fake lashes and beautiful hair to make them camera ready. And then the next question they say is, well, what if I don't want to look like a clown? I don't want to look like I have crazy makeup. And I say, don't worry. I've worked with my makeup artist for several years. She's amazing. She's really good at dialing it up or dialing it down, depending on the look you want to get out of your shoot. But the most important thing is that she knows how to make the makeup look good on camera. So she's going to make you look great on camera, even if it maybe is a little bit more makeup than you would regularly wear. And then we talk about what they're going to bring in terms of wardrobe. And I'm going to say, I'm going to send you a prep guide with everything you need to know. It takes all the guesswork out of it. And then when we go into the photo shoot, I've got something that I call my bombshell posing system. And what that means is that basically you don't have to know how to do anything. I am going to make you look amazing no matter what. You don't have to practice. You don't have to practice in front of the mirror before you come. I'm going to tell you what to do with your hands and your face, and you're going to look amazing no matter what. Then while you're changing back in your street clothes, I'm going to get a slideshow going of your pictures right there while you're at the studio. The great thing about that is that you get to see your pictures before you buy. There's no obligation. If you don't love your pictures, if you're just not totally, absolutely blown away by your pictures, I'll refund you your session fee, no, no questions asked. So those elements that I provide really help kind of take the nervousness down. They're like, oh, well, if I don't like the pictures, I don't have to buy them, so there's no risk. Oh, I don't have to worry about my hair and makeup because her hair and makeup artist is amazing and it's gonna make me look great on camera. Oh, the retouching is complimentary. Perfect. I want all my pictures retouched. That's so great. It's complimentary. Um, oh, she's going to send me a prep guide so I know what to bring. It just answers all of their questions and helps them feel more comfortable with my process. So when you're helping them, you know, get prepared or letting them know about your process, I mean, how, how long do, does it typically take during the preparation where you finally see that maybe that guardedness or that uncomfortableness kind of shift to the side? I mean, like in terms of minutes, like I, my, my phone consults are usually 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. Um, usually in that time, I'm able to assess whether or not I'm a good fit for them or not. Um, if I'm not a good fit for them, I'll, I'll pass referrals and we'll get off the phone. If I am a great fit, we'll go through those details. I'll get them a date on the calendar and then I'll send them the rest of the information via email. Um, but of course, then they're nervous again when they show up at the studio. So we go through a lot of things at the studio too. Um, I have a couple exercises I have them do before they do the shoot where we like set their intention for the shoot. 
Um, and once they get in the studio, I've got my hair makeup artists who do this several times a week. They are so comfortable. I've done photo shoots for my makeup artists so that when they're with the client, they can say, listen, I've done this too. And it was fun. So they're there as sort of like another witness to help people through the experience. Okay. And I mean, when you're, cause I know you said you have an all female staff, right? I mean, other than that, how do you kind of screen? Do you only have one makeup artist? Do you have other employees that are there with you while you're doing the shoot? Like how would you screen all of those people who are going to be with you or working with you on these projects? Yeah. So the only people who are going to be at the shoot are the people I work with all the time. Um, I don't invite random assistants in. No, of course. Yeah. Like yeah. So on the, one of the most common questions I get when people call is they say, are you actually the person that's going to take my pictures? And I say, yeah, <sighs> I'm, I'm actually the photographer. They think that maybe they're talking to a receptionist or something, mm. but I actually think it's really important as a photographer to be accessible and to talk directly to the clients before they come into the studio. So, um, I'm, I'm real. I'm the person <laughs> who's going to take your pictures and I'm going to be the same person that's going to be there the day of your shoot. Um, I do have um, several people on my beauty team. So depending on the day of the week that you come in for your shoot, you might get a different woman who's on my beauty team. But I've worked with all of them and I trust all of them. They all know my process and they're all equally good at hair and makeup for photo shoots. Um, so yeah, it works great. I have, um, I mean, the most common thing I hear from women is, I can't believe that was so much easier than I thought it would be. Um, I can't believe how good I look. That's, that's, they come in nervous and then they leave feeling amazing. Dang. That's, that's amazing. I love that. And so you're about, you said a year in, right? Yeah. So I signed a lease in June of 2018 and then it took me basically all summer to renovate the space. And I had my first client on September 1st of 2018. So I'm just coming up on those two milestones. Okay. So how, I mean, how does your schedule look? Do you have a specific amount of clients that you're able to serve in a week? Um, what does your, your schedule kind of look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I am what I call a low volume, high touch business. So what that means is I'm not trying to get 300 women a month through my door and just crank them through. Instead, what I'm trying to have is a low volume, a low number of women who come through the studio but who each have a really luxury, really personalized experience. So for that reason, I limit the number of clients I take to, to 25 clients per month. Okay. So that allows me to really give a personalized experience to every client. It means that you're not going to be rushed during your photo shoot. It means I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, you have to leave because I have another client coming. I, I allow a lot of buffer space for time because something like a boudoir experience some women need a little bit more time than others, and I want to make sure everyone has the time they deserve. Um, it also allows me to just be really available, like I said, to talk to clients uh, before their shoot and that kind of thing. So um, I, I typically shoot um, in the mornings or early afternoons. Um, that allows me to take advantage of the natural light that comes through my studio. I also use studio lights for um, dramatic lighting in the studio. Okay, cool. And I mean, in, in regards to like, uh, forgot the question I was going to ask there, but, um, um, you know, through your experience with the women that you've, you know, worked with, ha have you kind of seen like a shift of, cause I'm sure they feel super empowered when they leave, like you said, right? 
And have you kind of seen a shift in regards to like you, I mean, how empowered you feel when the project's done for them? Yeah. I mean, I feel really lucky that I'm in this business and that I have this job. I absolutely love what I do. I love working with women. I love creating beautiful images and I love seeing like the positive effect it has in women's lives. So I just really feel lucky that I get to be a part of that process. Um, I have two daughters who I hope grow, grow up feeling like they can live empowered lives and make choices based on what they want to do and not feel like they have to follow a really strict script of what a, a woman is supposed to do. Um, and I just, I just feel, I mean, I wake up every day feeling lucky that I get to do this, honestly. And I mean, you have two daughters, you're married. How do you kind of balance all of this with, I mean, your family? Because I'm sure you get calls all the time or inquiries or, you know, helping clients after hours. How, how do you balance all of that? Um, it's a great question. And again, <laughs> I feel really lucky for the setup that I have. So um, I live just about 15 minutes from my studio and I, it's the opposite way of traffic. So it's easy for me to, to jump up there. Um, what I do is I drop my kids off. I'm here with my kids in the morning, getting ready for school, drop my kids off at school. Then I'm at the studio for a client. And that's usually during the the school hours and then I go and pick up my kids from school and I'm able to be with them in the afternoon and then in the evening I can work on ordering albums or photoshopping or other things after they've gone to bed so actually the flexibility of owning my own business has been a huge blessing for my family because I've been able to be with my kids and run this business at the same time without really compromising either which I feel like is actually kind of rare um, and I feel lucky that I've been able to work that out. Yeah. Cause I talked to tons of people and I ask them, you know, when do you see your husband or, you know, when do you get time with your family? And I, I've heard things from, you know, uh, while we pass each other in the hall, um, are there ever times where you kind of have to like, whether keep yourself in check or how, how do you make sure that you don't make those compromises to your, to your loved ones? Yeah, you know, when I opened this business, I remember saying to my husband, well, what if this happens? What if this thing happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And all of those bad things have happened. Like, what if I have to miss a school play because I have a client? That has happened. What if one of the kids gets sick on a day when I have a client and, and someone needs to run them to the doctor? That has happened. You know, what if I have to stay up all night editing and I'm super tired? And this, you know, All of the bad things that I envisioned in my head that could happen actually have happened. But here's the thing, you meet that challenge and you figure it out. So like, I am really, really lucky that I have a super supportive husband. He's amazing. Those days when the kids were sick, guess what? He got up from his office job, took the kids to the doctor instead of me, you know? Um, he has really, really um, been an amazing partner with me in this in endeavor. And I, and I feel, again, very lucky that I, that I have that, you know? So yeah, it's been hard. And yes, have I missed some things? Yes. Have I been tired some days? Yes. But at the same time, I feel like the benefits to my family have outweighed the costs. I mean, my kids, just to give you an example, the other day I went down into the basement and my kids were doing something. I said, what are you guys doing down here? And they said, we're playing pretend own a business. Oh. And um, I'm selling scarves. And my other daughter said she was selling something else. And I realized like I've set an example for them of being a woman who owns a business. And I'm so happy that they're growing up seeing me do that, even if it means there have been some things I've missed. But it, it, I feel like that's been a benefit for my family too. Did you ever, was anybody in your family ever 
a business owner before you or it was just that was you first? No, I actually don't have any business owner family, any members of my family have owned a business, nor my husband. And we actually talked about that. We we're like, who do we know who's owned a business? And we came up with, you know, a few people we'd known here and there, but no one's super close to us, which I think was another reason why opening a business was, was frightening for me because I didn't have a good um, role model necessarily close to me who'd done it. Yeah. And that's probably the scariest thing is when, when you've never done it and you never have anybody around you who has done it, that's frightening. Yes. But you know what the best thing that I did was, was work for that other studio for a couple of years. Um, because not only did I learn that I loved working for a small business, like I absolutely loved working for that studio and I was really sad when it closed. Um, cause I learned that I loved the business side of photography. So, I mean, you have to understand that photography is great, but running a photography business is different than just taking pictures, right? I mean, I would say like 80% of what I do, 90% of what I do is the business and only 10% of what I do is photography, you know? And so working for that other business taught me that I, I really loved the business aspect of things and it gave me the confidence to open my own business. I don't think I could have a had the know-how or be the confidence to open my own business if I hadn't worked for a small business already. And I've told a lot of people that who are interested in opening a small business, I say, go work for a small business for a year or two, kind of see what it's like, get in the books a little bit, see what, what they're going through, see if it's something you want to do and then open your own business. Uh, I love how you brought that up because it's, it is literally, there's so much work that goes into the, it's almost like somebody, a professional athlete that's getting ready for a game. They're only on the field, maybe 10% of the time that they're actually working. And I mean, I think the best situation, I mean, everyone's gone to a dentist at some point. This is the analogy I think I use for everyone is dentists have amazing follow-up. I mean, do you have a dentist? I, I, I get text messages from my dentist all the time. Their, their email, like everything that they do, is, they are not cleaning my teeth at that point in time. But I definitely know who my dentist is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And they probably spend 10% of their time with their hands actually in someone's mouth. And the rest of the time, I, you know, I don't know what goes into it, but somebody is sending those reminder emails and setting up those text reminders and might not be the dentist, but it's someone's at the dentist's office, right? So yeah, I think there's some people who love to take, like in the creative field, there's some people who love to paint pictures or make pots or, or, or sew bracelets or whatever. And if you love doing that, that's great. If you also love running a business, then turn it into a business. That's great. If you just love making pots, but you don't love business, just keep it as a hobby and you will still love making pots. If you love making pots and hate running a business, eventually you'll hate making pots too. Does that make sense? Like you, if you're in a creative business and you hate the business part about it, you either need to hire someone else to help you do that, outsource that, or keep it as a hobby. Otherwise you'll like ruin the creative energy that goes into making your beautiful product in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, have you ever ran into somebody or somebody close to you that has had that happen to them? Oh, all the time. I mean, that's the starving artist thing, right? Like someone who loves to take pictures, but can't figure out the business part of it or is so allergic to numbers that they can't figure out how to price themselves. I mean, it's all the time. There's no reason there are a hundred more talented photographers out there than me who make no money because they can't or they won't or they, they, the business part doesn't appeal to them enough 
or they can't figure out how to outsource it or whatever to make money off of it. I mean, there are so many talented photographers out there, way more talented than me. And, um, but business is a whole different skill set. You know what I mean? Running a business, following up, like you say, with the dentist, following up, <laughs> sending those emails, getting the pictures. It's a different skill set. And, um, and that's fine. You can absolutely outsource that. You can get a business manager to do that for you. Yeah, and I think that it's important for people to know is if, because I've, I've had friends who've gone to college for, for things that, like once they started going to school for it, then they started to hate it because it was like, I can't, you know, just do it the way I want to, or there's so much more that goes into it that is just going to take away from me. And I think it's important for people to know that that's okay. That if you don't want to go into it, that's fine. Be just love what you do. And I think also too, the better you get at something, the less those things grade at you. You know what I mean? Like, so in photography, you might have to learn how to do some techniques that you don't love, but once you learn it, you don't have to use them if that doesn't feed you creatively, but it's good to know how to do it. Um, I think creatives, creative individuals can absolutely be successful business owners. You just have to realize that the creative part of your business is a different skill set than the business part of your business. What would you say from your business probably takes or at first took the most energy from you? I mean, initially it was just finding clients, you know, um, it was just getting people in the door. And I knew once I got them in the door that they would love their pictures and buy them, but it was just finding those people. Um, and I was really fortunate to um, early on get a lot of people in um, through word of mouth. And I don't have as hard of a time filling up the calendar now, but early on, I mean, the first few months, it was just like empty calendar. What am I going to do? I need people, you know? And, and I know you said like, you know, word of mouth or like you, you, you have a specific marketing plan. Is there something specific, whether it was referrals or what, what's kind of helped you the most? I mean, I think the most is the consistency of my Facebook marketing, my Google marketing, my referral program, those kinds of things that it just consistently helps me get people in the door. I mean, early on, I did some things where I said, hey, if you let me use your pictures on the website, I will give you the shoot for free. And I, I sent that out to some friends, to some makeup artists I knew, whatever. And of course, women are like, sure, free shoot, you know? <laughs> I mean, some women are like, no, I would never share boudoir pictures online, but you'd be surprised there are like plenty of women out there who are happy to share their pictures. Um, so to get those very first people in the door, for the website, that's what I did. Offered okay. a free shoot. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Uh, I guess like what's, what's been the best experience or like, is there a certain moment that was most memorable from um, whether it was a woman that was, you know, not confident about herself or What's your best experience? I love telling the story of Allie. Allie came into the studio like pretty nervous, not even sure she wanted to do it. Um, but she kind of decided to do this for her husband. She wasn't there really for herself. Um, it was just like, I'm just going to do this for my husband. I'm just going to get through it so I can get a gift for him kind of thing. You know, I know he'll like it. I don't really even want to do this was her attitude coming in. She got her hair and makeup done. She looked amazing. I showed her the slideshow pictures and her jaw, like this is her jaw literally dropped like, like, like a foot. She just was like, I cannot believe this is me. And I was like, I know you look amazing. She got a book. She went home. I, I was happy with the experience then. But then like two nights later, she sent me back a text and she said, I just have to tell you what this has done for my marriage and my relationship. Like I feel 
so confident. I, I'm viewing myself in a different way and it's playing out in my relationship with my husband. The confidence that I have now is it's showing up with him. And she even used the words, I feel so sexually recharged. And I mean, I hope that's not like too much information to share with you, but like what she really felt like was that the, the confidence and the energy that she gained in seeing herself in a new light had really brought a new energy into her 15 year marriage. And that brought so much joy to me to know that like, Something really simple, just a photo shoot, like it, you know, it was two hours out of her life, changed like the trajectory of her marriage. And that brought me a lot of joy and satisfaction. That's amazing. Have you had people in, I mean, come back multiple times? Because I think when, if somebody is in, you know, sexually recharged or let's say a completely different subject of somebody who's in therapy for something, you don't just go once. Yeah. Right? You got to come back. Yeah, so, I, I mean, definitely have people come so like, for example, I had one woman, woman come in, she wanted to have a jar of Nutella that she <laughs> ate in her photo shoot, like as kind of a prop. And it was kind of fun or whatever. We had a good time with that. And then she came back, I think it was um, like maybe six months later and she wanted, she brought a pizza and she wanted to eat a pizza in her shoot. And she's like, you know, it's just an inside joke with me and my boyfriend and whatever. But those were like really fun pictures, really fun shoot. Yeah, I definitely have repeat clients. I have brides who come in to do something for their wedding and then they come back for their first anniversary, for example, to do something else. Um, the first anniversary gift on those lists that you read online um, that have the different um, materials of gift that you're supposed to give for the year. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but like. Nope, you'll have to tell me. <laughs> so I don't know who made this up, but like online you can Google it and like the first anniversary you're supposed to give a gift made out of paper and the second anniversary you're supposed to give a gift made out of like copper or whatever and then like you know 25th it's like diamond you know like they get like increasingly more um like expensive or whatever mm -hmm. um but anyway the first anniversary is paper and people know that and i'm always like what are you going to give him like a stack of note cards like no he does not want that what he wants is some beautiful pictures of you printed on paper right <laughs> So, um, I do have a lot of women come in for a first anniversary gift, fifth anniversary gift, celebrating their 30th birthday or their 40th birthday or something like that. Well, for anybody that's listening to that, cause I had no idea, um, about that. So for anybody who doesn't know what gifts to give or anything like that, now they know. <laughs> and you can look them up. There's different lists online. I didn't make it up. No, that's cool. That, uh, is, do you do you blog about that? I feel like that'd be an awesome blog topic. Yeah, I totally have <laughs> blogged about this. Yes. Okay. Especially that first anniversary gift that's paper. Because I, what do I sell? I sell paper prints with photos on them, right? Do you? I, I'm I'm assuming then your Valentine's Day before that's got to be super busy. Yeah, you know what's great about boudoir is that first off, you can do it any time of year, depending on when your birthday is or your anniversary. But for me, as a business owner. So for example, um, January is super busy, people getting ready for Valentine's Day, right? We get through January and the first part of February for Valentine's Day and then wedding season starts. People getting ready, their pictures in March and April, May, getting ready for their June weddings. Then the weddings, then in the summer, it's everyone's anniversary who had their summer weddings previously, right? So I'm busy all summer and then in the fall, um, it immediately starts people getting ready for holiday gifts. Um, so it's really, it's really year round that I'm busy. And um, people do, I will say, you do want to come in, you know, six to eight weeks before you need your album so oh. that I have time to get everything ready and shipped. Yep. 
So I, um, so uh, yeah, it's really a year round business for me. There isn't really seasonality. Man. Okay. So you have them come in quite a far in advance. I wouldn't have think that that's something you would have to do. So I can get you, um, it depends on what you buy from your shoot. Um, the digital images I can get, I can turn around quickly to you, but okay. um, I do sell some really pretty, really nice albums with leather covers and embossing and stuff. And those take a little bit longer to print and ship. And they can, anybody who's listening to this, that's interested, they can find all of this on your website then? Yeah, sure. Chicago-boudoir.com. Yeah. Okay. Um, the great thing about what I do is that um, you come in for your shoot and then after your shoot, you decide what you want to buy. And I have samples of all of the albums and gift items at the studio so you can see them and uh, make a decision before you buy. It's really hard, I have found, for people to visualize what they're going to buy before they've even seen the pictures that are going to get printed. So like when I'm talking to you on the phone before you come in for your shoot, you don't know if you want an album or if you want prints or if you want a canvas on your wall, right? But as soon as you've seen the pictures and I'm there with the samples, I can really help you decide and make those purchasing decisions. So I'm there to be your guide and help you do it. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's amazing from, you know, being on the phone with them at first, being there with them in person. This is something which I'm sure like a lot of other businesses a very personal experience. So having somebody who's there from beginning to end, you're able to build that rapport and that trust through the entire thing. That's, that's huge about who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'm a low volume, high touch photographer. So on purpose, I keep the number of clients that I take low. I was just talking to a web developer the other day and he's like, you know, we could put a calendar on your website so that people could just auto book without ever talking to you. And I was like, I actually don't want that. Like <sighs> I want, I want to talk to you before you come in. I want to make sure that the service that I provide is what you're looking for. Because with something as personal as boudoir, I want you to be comfortable with me. You know, and if I'm not the photographer for you, that's fine. I'm happy to refer you to someone else. But I want to chat with you and make sure that uh, this is the right experience, explain how it works uh, and everything before you come in. Man, I was so happy you brought that up because I remember someone recommended uh, Calendly to me once. Is that the one? I don't know if that's... There's lots of, of widgets out there. Yeah, yeah, tons of them. And they're like, oh yeah, they can just auto book. And I said to myself, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's great for some businesses. It depends on what you're doing, you know, and there are even some photographers who are high volume photographers and they want to take, you know, 500 school pictures in a day or whatever. And that's their business model. And that's great. And they make money doing that. It's just not what I do. Um, so definitely like Calendly or something like that can work great for your business. Like if you're a dentist or something, maybe that works great. doesn't matter whose teeth show up. Right. Yeah. Just, right. I, um, it's just not what I provide. I provide a very um, high touch luxury experience where I'm focused exclusively on you to make a very custom experience just for you. Cool. Well, this is awesome. I'm so happy we were able to learn about this. Where, where I know you, you have your website, you have your Instagram, like where can everybody find you? Yeah. So websites, www.chicago-boudoir.com. Instagram is chicago.boudoir. Um, Facebook is Chicago Boudoir. Um, and again, boudoir is B O U D O I R. Yeah. I, I remember my girlfriend, uh, I asked her when I first was going to have you on, I was thinking, okay, how do she corrected me probably seven times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are people who pronounce it different. I don't think you can say it also boudoir and that's not wrong. That's yeah. the French way. Yeah. Some people so, call it intimate portraiture. Some people call it sensual portraiture photography and that's fine too. 
Well, cool. Well, thanks again so much. And I hope that everyone can find your stuff. And um, I hope it was a cool experience. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. I sure appreciate it. All right. Bye now.